was being made fun of. <laughs> no, no, we would never do a thing like that, man. Oh. The recording actually is going to start with me saying, I feel like I was just made fun of. I feel like that <laughs> should be left in the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I am one of your hosts, Seth Goodoff, and coming up on this week's show, United sleeps on clean sheets, Widener Field is going to get a makeover, and the USL goes back to its roots. And as a last-minute addition to the show, we're going to have a moment of silence for the Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do it. I had to do it. Oh, man. Tea almost came out of my nose. Oh, that was good. That was so for, the, for those of you time. not watching on Twitch, Jacob oh, nearly man. does spit take. Um, uh, Jacob, of course, is a Spurs fan, and they lost to Everton this past weekend, one nil in the Premier League opener for both clubs. So, um, we we might get into oh, that man. here in a little bit. <laughs> oh, that was um, good. good. This is, of course, episode number fifteen of our show. We want to thank everyone for their continued support of what we're doing here on the show and on our website. We, of course, wouldn't be here without all of you. And as we continue to grow, we want to bring you guys along with us. And that's part of you know why we're doing the show here live on Twitch, to give you guys, give our listeners uh, and United supporters, or even just USL fans in general, a chance to be a part of the show along with us. By joining us on Twitch every week, you can pop into the chat, leave your questions, comments, uh, and we will get to those on the show. And we will you know absolutely give you credit for everything and get you guys involved in the show. Um And one last thing before we do get into this week's discussion, I do want to take a minute to remind everyone that we do have written content covering each and every New Mexico United match over on our website, dadventuresmedia.com. And not only do we have coverage of United there, Jacob and I both do pre- and post-match coverage, Uh, we do have a blog where we talk about our lives as dads and occasionally some video game news and notes. Uh, With all that out of the way, I do want to bring my co-host, and, and I, so to bring you guys in this week, I want to I give you guys one question and I'll get, you know, get each of you to just give a quick answer to it. Uh, Jacob Terrell and, Ernie, and Earl Nieto are both here with me this week. So guys, we'll start with you, Jacob. Jacob, what is your one takeaway from soccer this weekend? From soccer? Just in general? Yes. Soccer in general. Oh man. Um, we're one step closer to clinching the playoffs. I'll keep it United based. I could have gone a bunch of different ways, but, uh, we're we're one step closer to clinching the playoffs, and um, that is the, by far the most important thing to me right now. All right, and of course, Earl Nieto. Earl, what's your one takeaway from uh, from watching any soccer that you might have seen this weekend? It was an interesting weekend of soccer, that's for sure. I mean, that's that's my one takeaway. It was interesting, which we'll get to. We will. We will. Yes, we are. That lot went down this weekend in USL and New Mexico United action. My big takeaway is that uh, nothing's really decided yet. Like there's a, there, there are a lot of results that happened this weekend that didn't really seem to decide anything and almost kind of muddied the waters just a little bit more. Just when we thought things were going to start getting clearer, it's not getting there. So, Well, I mean, there's, there's one thing that is clear. 
there's only one thing that is clear. I mean, Phoenix sucks. Phoenix sucks. Yes. <laughs> Called it. There we go, guys. Absolutely. That, that's the one thing that matters. Phoenix sucks. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've got so much to get to, and we've got, there's big news um, from around the league, not only today uh, from the club. Uh, we've got U- actual USL news, brand new clubs coming into the league. A lot to go over. Uh, I do want to take one minute, though, have a moment of silence, like I said, for the Spurs, who lost to Everton 1-0. They're not dead. It was the first match of the year. <laughs> uh, I know I know a couple of friends of mine over on Twitter. They were uh, not happy at all with this first performance. Jacob, what was, what was your take on Sunday's match? It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, I will say, though, uh, to, to spin it in a more positive light, your revamped midfield over there at Everton looks fantastic. Um, yes, they do. Now... They might just look fantastic because we didn't do anything um, or we didn't do anything because they were so fantastic. Uh, it's hard to tell with just one match, uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg there. But um, we will see soon enough. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season going forward. And you have absolutely hit the nail on the head. Everton's new look midfield basically controlled that match and I, there are opportunities that Everton had to, to go up earlier than what they did. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Premier league is now back underway. NFL is underway. Uh, I know there were some interesting results from that. Brady, of course, losing down in, uh, in new Orleans. Uh, I feel like Brady's on the decline and I think maybe Tampa may waste a little bit of money. What do you guys think? about? Uh, that? Was that Brady or Jameis Winston? Yeah, I know. All right. It's hard to tell. I mean, a Bucks quarterback throwing interception. Who would have? What thought? is a Jacob? Well, I am a Tampa Bay fan. I know. Uh, have been for years. Um, so I can speak to this uh, very clearly. Um, turns out, um, Jameis Winston just became reborn as Tom Brady <laughs> for at least one week. Uh, because he he did not look good, but I will say, um, having watched Tampa Bay for years, he is Tampa Bay as a structure, especially in the Jameis years, just shoots himself in the foot, time after time after time. And if you watch the game on Sunday, that is exactly what Tampa Bay did. They consistently shot themselves in the foot. It was a Saints fourth and two. They called a timeout. They came out of the timeout. They said in the timeout. Don't jump off sides. Breeze does a hard count. We jump off sides. First down, they go and score a touchdown. Um, we had two guys collide. Looked like a bad news bears in the outfield situation where they collided and fumbled the football. Um, so Tom Brady did throw two picks, one of which was a pick six, I know. But uh, it was a team collective screw up that really doomed us. And we still almost had kind of pseudo held in there against one of the best teams from last year and predicted to be one of the best teams this year. So I'm not super worried about the the rest of the season. Um, it was a little disappointing, but, but I think in the long run, they will be fine and uh, we will make the playoffs for the first time. And I don't remember how long. And if we could, if we could just get past my Cowboys and, and whatever that was, that'd be great. Yeah, I was caught a little bit of that. That was not pretty, but uh, and of course, my Falcons lost to Seattle, so 
Yeah, it's, oh, I uh, forgot you're a Falcon fan. Oh, yeah, none, none of our teams did well. I guess I won't be talking to you for the rest of the night. You guys have a good night. <laughs> well, no, Earl, we're united for United. That's what brings us together. That's what brings all fans of all different football teams and political parties and religions together is New Mexico United. So let's calm down. Just take a little deep breath. Yeah, and you know, I told myself that Sunday night because I did stay up late, watch the game. Uh, I'm not going to get as hyped up as I did last year. I mean, last year I'm pretty sure I aged about 19 years. Um, and I was just not a happy person. <laughs> this year, whatever happens, happens. And the Cowboys are going to go 8-8 eight and eight and still somehow make the playoffs. I don't know that that NFC East is wide open, so you may see like a, a seven and nine t- team sneaking. And that would probably be the Cowboys. That's true. Could be. Could be. I mean, I. It, it's funny how tied our emotions are to sports. Uh, something that doesn't mean much, but um, I'm the same way every year. I, I trust me, Earl. By like week seven, you'll be living and dying by every result, just like we always do. So. Um, I tell myself every year I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna freak out if if the Bucks lose or if United loses or something like that. And then of course United has a bad game and I'm a, in a pissy mood the rest of the weekend and my wife gets mad at me and it's just it happens. So I'm not gonna worry too much about it anymore. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. None of our teams did well outside of United this past weekend. Um, you know, and we talked about last week that the Bundesliga season is kicking off this coming weekend. Uh, Earl, we know that you are a uh, a Frankfurt fan. What clubs should pl- people be watching uh, for potential Bundesliga winners this year, this season? I don't even know. I mean, it's I mean, there's obviously your your top line ones, the Bayerns and all them. But other than those four, I mean, the elite four or five that are up there, it's really anyone. Like you could have a Schalke in the top six. You have Frankfurt. Hopefully, in the top twelve. I mean, <laughs> so they're kind. Of, it sounds like they're kind of like the Everton of the Bundesliga, then. Pretty much. I mean, if if someone were to not know anything about soccer and pick a Bundesliga team, it's gonna be Earl. It's gonna be. It's gonna be Frankfurter. Just throwing that out there. I was drawn to Dortmund just because of the colors. <laughs> as dumb as that sounds, it's. Their kits are pretty sick. They're yellow and black, just like ours. They have an American playing big minutes for them. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, all of these guys. And they're entertaining to watch. That's for dang sure. Yeah, I mean, the entire Bundesliga, when there's actually fans in the stadium, it's a, it's a pretty cool sight to see. Yeah. There's actually an article out on ESPN, maybe on ESPNFC.com right now, talking about why the Bundesliga is one of the one of the, one of the most fun leagues to watch. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't checked it out. I've got it, on my, I've got it tabbed up to go read it later. But uh, so yeah, I've always been interested, and it's been one of the one of the leagues that's gotten a lot, some of the most widespread coverage here in the U.S. Due to the deal with Fox Sports, so like you'll see Bundesliga pretty regularly over on Fox or, or FS1 or you know some of their other channels. And now that Premier League has, unf- to the detriment of some folks, put put Premier League basically taking away the the sports gold pass and put a lot of their matches on Peacock. Uh, I know some folks aren't happy about that, so maybe some more folks get get exposure to a Bundesliga than the Premier League now. I would not be upset about that either. Honestly, if you ask me, I think any league that gets exposure here in the U.S., uh, any league that helps grow the sport, is a good thing. So, 
Right. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Do they have a deal with ESPN Plus as well? Or is that just Serie A? I know Serie A does. I thought I saw I thought I saw a lot of Bundesliga games on there last year, but I could be mistaken. I don't know. I feel like I did too. Uh, I I couldn't even tell you. I'm not trying to get called out on fake. Well, we can pull it up here real quick and see uh, see what all is there. So um, I know Serie A. I know obviously USL, Copa America. Um, they've got all sorts of stuff. I, I think they've got like Australian League. They've got you know they've got the Carabao Cup. They've got uh, you know they've got all kinds of stuff over on ESPN Plus right now. So they literally have everything there. So it does say that um, they they will have they have a multi year agreement with ESPN Plus that began in August of 2020. Um, more than 300 matches per season will be on ESPN Plus. So what and what I like about those ones is is they are on demand as well, so you can always go back and rewatch them after the fact. And I know that Peacock, the whole Peacock NBC Gold thing. Um, was frustrating for a lot of people, but I did learn this weekend that um, you can actually, as soon as the match is over, it goes to on demand. So if you can't, if you don't wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and it's on Peacock, wait, you don't. Whenever you wake up, if the match is okay, not on the week, not all well, I do, but I have kids and other stuff going on. I can't always just roll out of bed and put on uh, soccer, unfortunately. But uh, you can watch it whenever after the match is over, which is really nice. Yeah, it is. And then Peacock Premium also has a a channel that's the, that's 24-7 Premier League. Yeah, I saw uh, that. It's too. not necessarily live matches, but it is, twenty again, 24-7 you know, Premier League coverage. Uh, they, I think they are going to show some replays, uh, but a lot of it's going to be like news and talk shows, and like, like uh, Men and Blazers and some other stuff as well. It's going to be awesome. So I guess the shit of the night is Peacock. Yeah, exactly. Well, I broke down and got it uh, because, I mean, it's $5 a month and you get so much more than just the Premier League. So uh, it really, really wasn't that big of a deal. Plus, we went to the uh, Hulu with ads instead of without ads. So that saved us like 7 bucks a month. So just slotted Peacock right into their place and and away we go. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Why don't you do the Disney? That's what I have. I've got the Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Hulu bundle, but we were paying a little bit extra because we had the Hulu without ads. Oh. We cut that out, and now we just pay the 14 whatever it is for the regular bundle, and you can't beat that. You really can't, especially with ESPN Plus being a part of it. Yeah, and that's the only reason why I jumped on that whole Disney Plus bundle is because, I mean, I already had ESPN Plus. I was paying six ninety nine a month. I had Hulu. I was paying twelve ninety nine, paying twelve ninety nine for Disney Plus. I mean, right there's a freaking mortgage payment for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am gonna let me let me get on a, a little bit of a soapbox here. When all this streaming stuff came out, I told my wife, I was like, "This, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna have so many streaming options, and we're gonna have to pay for so many streaming services." that it's going to be just as much as a direct TV package that had everything on it. And we have reached that point, I think where it is nonstop. Like if you add up Hulu and all aside from the Hulu bundle, which has helped quite a bit, but it is, it's gotten to the point where it's almost easier if everything is just on one service, a la direct TV 
Um, it's just, st- it's still cheaper this way for now, but we'll see if that, that, um, that stays this way. Yeah. Until you throw that 30 bucks. They're also niche in what they, and what they want to offer. So like, you know, Peacock's basically going to take all the NBC shows here starting like in 2021 and, you know, CBS has got their all access and, you know, and then people, you know, keeping the streaming rights and all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. It, it's going to get back up there. I mean, yeah, we just have Netflix and then the Disney Plus bundle, and then we switch to Xfinity, which has Peacock included. Oh, okay. so yeah, it's got Peacock included, so we don't pay anything extra for it. But uh, yeah, it's it definitely gets up there in price. Like if you want to go, especially like commercial free and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like you want to add HBO Now or Star, whatever. Like it's just there, there's just so much stuff. That's why you know we actually share Comcast logins with my family. Yeah. <laughs> so we get there. So I, I have ESPN plus like for myself. And then I have like their, my family's Comcast login to get like ESPN three ESPN, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, but I, you know, I don't think this is what anyone came to listen to us talk about tonight. Streaming <laughs> services and the streaming wars. They, they're here to listen to us talk about New Mexico United and USL soccer. Uh, for those of you that were living under a rock today, the news broke, um, from well, actually, I broke a few days ago from uh, Nippon Chopra at uh, Sock Takes on uh, Twitter that Oakland Roots was going to be coming to the USL, and then of course the the both the Oakland Roots and the USL made it official today. Uh, the Oakland Roots purchased the basically the the rights to the EU, I'm sorry USL East Bay franchise, uh, so they basically bought their spot from another group. And they will be joining the Western Conference in 2021. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, U.S. Uh, Oakland Roots have been competing over in the NISA League. And they were, they're they pretty big on social media. So what do you guys think about the inclusion of Oakland Roots now and the loss, quote-unquote, of USL East Bay? I got the point. Go ahead, Jacob. You. Um, I don't I, – I haven't dug into them too much, um, but I have heard – a lot of what they do in the community and the the kind of art um, landscape there in in Oakland, and it sounds like they're going to be a great addition um, as far as off the field contribution contributions, uh, much like New Mexico United with with our Meow Wolf sponsorship and whatnot. Um, so I I think it'll be a good thing. I think. Um, I think the fact that we're bringing in uh, someone that is established and has a fan base already, as opposed to um, uh, like you like you said the the USL East Bay uh, kind of coming out of nowhere um, like we did, I, I think that that that's a strong move. It, it guarantees that you're going to have viewers there already and a small fan base to build upon. So, so I think it's a good move all in all. Um, <clears throat> the USL continues to impress me. Um, I remember last year or the beginning of last last probably last January um, last December last January two Decembers ago whatever it was before we actually started as a club and the schedule came out I remember scrolling through the schedule and the only thing that stuck out to me as somebody who never watched the USL was um, the two teams so Los Dos and T2 and um, Sounders 2 and all that stuff and it's like all right, um, we got some some AAA affiliate uh, soccer teams, and then some of these teams that I hadn't heard about that uh, um, seem to be interesting. So, but now that we've actually gotten into the league and saw what the 
independent clubs are about and us obviously and Phoenix over there and El Paso and um, you know, all those teams that are, that are independently owned and operated. Uh, it's exciting to see what they're doing. And, and this is just adding to it. And I, I think it means that they'll get big enough where we do see some pro reg. And we also see the two teams down in division or in league one instead of up here with us, which I understand that there are teams like Real Monarchs that do well or Red Bulls tool. Red Bulls too had a good run uh, several years ago, but I just think that for the most part, uh, the two teams need to be somewhere where they can compete with each other and, and focus on their own game. So if that's league one or their own independent second league, who knows, but um, all in all, just impressed with what the USL is doing and Oakland just adds to that. And yeah, to shadow off of you pretty much, uh, Oakland Roots joining the USL, incredible. I mean, I was just looking them up now. I hadn't really done any research. Uh, Sombrero Man did text me over the week, said, hey man, check this out. Uh, unfortunately, I work for the state and I didn't really have time. So I actually just did my homework now. And yeah, I mean, I'm all... I'm all for them. I mean, just what I see online about their community involvement, always doing something. And to go back to what Jacob said a while back about uh, Dortmund and their cool uniforms, their cool kits. I mean, some pretty cool white kits uh, that just might be a purchaser of. Do I wish that it would kind of balance out the two uh, conferences, the East and the West? Yeah, especially with everyone else moving up, moving to the doing what they're doing, moving MLS. It's going to be kind of an unbalanced league to say, but I mean, that's for sure to each their own. Yeah. Oakland roots coming in is going to provide another strong West coast club. Uh, they do draw very well uh, for someone that's not affiliated with one of the major, uh, you know, closed leagues within the U S soccer uh, pyramid. According to the release from the USL, they were averaged more than 5,000 fans at each home match since their inception in 2018. So yeah, that's a huge deal. That's a huge presence over there. And and I think they're going to continue to play in the same stadium from what I read. But it sounds like to me, like they could really be competing, competing with some of those other clubs in the California area uh, for those supporters. Maybe we see some folks jump over. I don't know. I, I saw one tweet today from a guy saying that he would support New Mexico United when they play out in Oakland and he'd support Oakland when they play out here. So I think it's good for the league. Now you mentioned the unbalancing. Um, I'm sure the USL already has plans in place. I think that there is, there are, there is another East coast team coming in in 2021 and uh, with the Rochester Rhinos potentially looking at making a comeback either in 21 or 22, uh, we could see that balance out once again. Uh, so, you know, the league's growing. I mean, yes, we're losing San Antonio, but outside of that, like we're, I think the league has a pretty right good, yeah. We're losing San Antonio, or what? Or no, Sacramento. Sorry, it was Sacramento. Okay, right? I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Hear I've, that. Got, I've got San Antonio on the brain because um, I was watching them yesterday. So, uh, but no, losing Sacramento. So, like the league, the USL as a whole has a pretty good structure, and they're pretty solid. Like you don't see too many clubs. You're dropping out of the USL. I mean, yes, we're Fresno folded last year, but that's that's a management issue. You know, St. Louis is folding after this year, but that's because MLS decided to step in and put their giant footprint all over uh, the St. Louis area. 
So, you know, St. Louis isn't going to try to compete with the, with the MLS club, which is kind of a bummer because St. Louis has been, you know, has been a solid uh, club within the USL structure for a number of years now. Do you think that they might go to a east-west central um, format where it's, it's you know, the Texas clubs, maybe us, um, Colorado, St. Louis, um, something like that, and then your East Coast teams and your West Coast teams. I'd, I'd have to look at a map and see if we could make it work, but I feel like there's a chance that they could um, switch to a, a three-tier conference instead of, or three conferences instead of two. Like the old um, baseball setup? Yeah, I like the old baseball one. See, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, if they stuck with their format that, ha- that they have now with divisions. I mean, COVID's going to be in the world for at least until election season, that's for sure. Um, I see COVID being around for a lot longer than November. But yeah, I see them sticking to the whole foreign conference, play one or two teams outside of that division such as, for us, such as Phoenix, such as RGV. Uh, we'll probably go in like to Austin, playing a couple teams outside our division, but for the most part, sticking home to company. I wonder if, um, so I, I agree that they could do something like that. I wonder if, um, I, d- I don't see them just doing us that few games. I feel like next year uh, they're going to try to do 34, 36, 30 at least matches. So I could see them doing something similar but i could see it being bigger groups so where you have like us and the texas teams and then um you know the southern cal phoenix maybe maybe salt lake area and then you got the northern cal portland and washington up there uh reno up there stuff like that i could see maybe doing something that's still regional but a little bit bigger regions than what we have now but really so much can change between now and next season that that they probably don't even know um what's going to happen so hopefully they can figure something out you know with these with new teams coming in and um a new team uh, in sacramento going out and um all this stuff it's hard to say what their plan is right away but but i could definitely see something similar to this year uh, for sure. All right. So all around sounds like a great idea for Oakland to be coming in. Sounds like it's going to add in some excitement, especially in the Western Conference, uh, a club that seems that draws well, that performs well, and it's going to be interesting to see just how they slot in, where they're going to, if the if the group structure remains the same, who would they play against? And if we go back to our typical conferences, you know what's going to happen? You know, uh, will there be some realignment? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, moving right along, our next bit of news. Today, the USL Championship uh, confirmed the, it may have been yesterday, confirmed the playoff dates and format for the playoffs this season. Uh, so there, every week we'll have a four-day window in which the matches can be played. Well, for the first three rounds anyway. And then each team will see no less than four days of rest in between their matches. So provided you win, you're going to have at least a couple days off. Uh, and the dates that they gave the conference quarterfinals will begin October 8th and can play at any point between the 8th and the 11th. The conference semifinals, October 15th through 18th. The finals, October 22nd through 20, through 25th. And then the date of the final is still to be determined. 
What do you guys think about this schedule? Do you think that allows enough time in between the matches? Do you think they're kind of like pushing it through to get it done before November? Or do you think that this is a pretty good setup? I think it all depends on COVID tests and and what happens there. I think I think they're giving themselves plenty of breathing room uh, in case a team that's in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, does test positive. Uh, they're giving themselves some time to work that out. Um, I read the article and, and went through it, and that was basically my only takeaway was, was it made sense? And it was... Uh, there was flexibility in there and, and, uh, if something were to go wrong, um, they give themselves a nice cushion, which is more than other leagues are doing right now. So, so I appreciated that. And hopefully they, uh, can, can nothing, everything, everything goes smoothly and we can get through it. Uh, but they definitely want to get done, done sooner rather than later. I'm sure. Cause I, I don't know, nowhere really sticks out is going to be super cold weather, in the West, at least, that's really competing, except for maybe Reno or Sacramento, and it doesn't really get that cold over there. It does get cold, but not super cold. So so going into late October, early November shouldn't be a problem anywhere with the teams that are s- still super competitive. If Colorado Springs or the Monarchs or something like that were threatening to make a deep run, I'd be a little concerned, but um, they're kind of out of it. So I, I feel like the... California teams and Phoenix and us and the Texas teams, there's not really a fear of of it being really bad weather come November. And I mean, it's not really any different dates than last year. I mean, maybe a week or two, but we were talking about playoffs last year around the same time. I remember September 28th, we were hosting Phoenix. A couple weeks after that, we were over in the middle of the field with history hats. Um so yeah, so it's not too far off of what was happening last year at this time. I mean, maybe they just I the way I see it is they probably just wanted to keep with keep with Sue and try to just get the season finished, really. Yeah, that's that's basically where they're at. I feel like the dates were pretty much set already, so so nothing really changed for me on my thought process there. Um and until we actually get teams set and everything like that, um it kind of is what it is. Uh, you basically feel the same way there, Seth. Or uh, yeah, I think for the most part, it's going to be for, it's going to be fine. It's going to work out well for the league. The only issue that I see is that you've got some clubs now that still have matches to play, uh, and I believe right. we still have matches scheduled all the way up until about October third, October fifth at this point. So I think if you got some clubs, especially that you look at, some, I think Austin has a match late uh, somewhere around that time. I could be wrong. I have to look that up. That's where you're going to run into an issue. So, like, I know the RGV was a RGV Austin that just got delayed this past weekend. Yeah, it was RGV. So, if if Austin still has to add another match to the end there, that, I mean, they could possibly be playing, you know, like October third, sixth, 9th, something like that. So, I think that could have a potential negative effect. But I, I think the schedule, I think the schedule itself looks fine as is. I think what they can do there, though, is I think the 11th, you said the 11th was the latest for the first round match? Yeah, 11th, yeah. So if they play the 6th, um, if they force them to get it done on the 6th, then, uh, you know, you still have four or five days there, which I know it's not ideal. I mean, if you want to watch good soccer, you watch it, you give the teams a week off, basically. That's when they are the freshest. But in the year of 2020, 
it doesn't matter. You know, it coronavirus does not care about your schedule. Um, so I, as long as they get it in and get it played and, and see what happens then then there we go. So I, I do see that issue. Uh, I do see it kind of being an issue, but at the same time, you know, we, we can't, we can't push it back forever. So right. you, you got to set some dates and, and get stadiums and stuff locked in and, um, streaming deals lock or rights deals locked in. Cause I'm assuming our championship is going to be on ESPN again, um, for everybody to watch. So, you know, you got to get those dates set as soon as you can. So, and that's, that's just what happens there. Yeah. I just pulled up the USL schedule. Uh, there are matches as late as October 4th currently. Uh, so one of the latest matches on the schedule is Real and El Paso on October 4th. So that, of course, is one that's gonna we're gonna be paying attention to. Um, but yeah, there's some other clubs that are you know on the bubble right now that don't play until you know October 3rd, October 4th. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that happens. And even if they do get that you know that full like seven days, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they how they respond with matches you know so late in the season. Hey, if it screws over El Paso, I'm all for it. So yeah. So what I would would actually like to see is kind of the same format that the MLB is doing. So I don't know if you guys saw MLB, if you guys watch MLB, if you guys don't, and you guys are looking for a team in MLB, I do have uh, one, one, one hint for you guys. Um, I see Jacob sh- uh, shading his head down there. Um, he must be like a Tampa Bay Royal <laughs> or something. Um, I'm not even a Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Royal. Whatever they are out there, <laughs> Tampa Bay something Mariners or something. I'm a Rockies fan. You're a Rockies fan. That's even. I'm a Rockies fan. My bad. I'm sorry. Um. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, what is he's, he's not a Yankees fan. This is very so. true, or a Dodgers fan. But anyways, what I would love to see is pretty much the same thing that the MLB is doing, where they're having the uh, the World Series. In one location, they're having at the Texas Rangers new stadium. So, if the USL were to incorporate and maybe some USL hierarchy listens to this, God only can hope. Uh, <laughs> maybe they have time to devise a plan where they can have a bubble situation for just the playoffs, where say Austin has to play that Saturday, but they have to make up that game that they're postponed invite them into the bubble with that team that they have to play, get that game knocked out, loser goes home. That's an interesting idea. It could actually, it could work. Yeah, I don't know. Bubbles are, from from my understanding, bubbles are very expensive. Um, and since we are not a very cash-rich league, um, I have a feeling that's why we didn't do a bubble for the whole season like most leagues that came back when we came back did. So it is an option that, that I pondered um, when this restart first happened, but I just don't see them going to a bubble type situation with, um, with the money that it costs and, and what it means for stuff like that. So now for us, it doesn't matter because it's still looking like if we get home games in the playoffs, they're still not going to be here. So you know, we might as well be in a bubble, but 
uh, for the teams like San Antonio or Phoenix or um, even Reno or Sacramento, whoever ends up with home field advantage throughout the playoffs, you know, they're not going to want to give that up um, and spend a whole bunch of money on hotel and food and travel for a bubble. So, so while it, it would save a lot of headache in a lot of ways, I just don't see a smaller league like us doing that. True. Yeah, it's tough no matter how you look at it. Um, there's any number of options that could possibly happen. Um, I mean, at this point, we all know that the, it's up to the clubs to provide the, the lodging and meals and things like that uh, for their players. The league isn't doing it. The league isn't um, hasn't done that somewhere that, you know, like MLS setting up the bubble down there, you know, in Orlando or the NBA doing it. And so I think for the most part, the clubs in the USL have done a pretty good job uh, with self-quarantining and making sure that they're following all the protocols. And I think even if you said, hey, we're going to do a bubble, we're gonna, we want all the teams in this area. I mean, I think the biggest issue you're going to run into is going to be clubs not having space you know, or being close enough to facilities to where they can adequately travel to and from where they need to be. I mean, I'm sure, you know, in the greater Dallas area, there's probably you know any number of hotels and things like that, but anywhere else, like if you were trying to do that here in New Mexico or say, you know, over in like Tulsa or where, you know, wherever, you know, you're going to, there's going to be different issues no matter where you do it. I think it's possible. I think it could be done, but I don't think they will. Exactly. So uh, moving on to, I don't know if this was on your rundown, Seth, but uh, did y'all see that uh, Austin Yearwood had yet another team of the week um, showing there, which kind of surprises me. And I wanted to to ask you guys um, what you thought about uh, somebody not named Kalen Ryden on our back line, getting more recognition than Kalen Ryden himself. I mean, it's it's super shocking. I don't really have an issue with it. I mean, Austin's played well. Go ahead, Earl. So, like I was saying, it's super shocking, seeming that, I mean, New Mexico went out and spent all this money on the guy, signed him on his wedding day, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's made a team of the week this season. He has not. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of, kind of thrown back by because, I mean, he's, he's an incredible player. And he is probably the pinnacle of that back line. But yet, week in, week out, we don't see Kalen right in, in Team of the Week or even in any kind of mention. I I feel like that that isn't necessarily a demerit to Kalen, though. I feel like it just makes me question how the Team of the Weeks get named in the first place. Um, because I think if you watch them, uh, if you watch the team, it's it's obvious that while Austin is really good and really talented, and honestly, I'm super happy for him because last year I remember the very first match watching him going, I don't know much about soccer, but I know I like that guy, and I know he's good. And then he kind of disappeared. He got hurt, and then he just didn't look right. Uh, and this year, we've talked about him quite a bit on here. You know, He's played the most minutes of any defender not named Kalen Ryden. And he has looked spectacular all over the pitch uh, for a, most of the time. But Kalen is the reason why that back line 
is better. Kalen Reedon is the reason why we have four clean sheets already this year, half as many matches, less than half as many matches as last year. Um, and why he doesn't get the recognition, I don't really know. I I think it's hard to name team of the week guys on the back line unless they score. So I don't know how that happens. And I don't, I don't know, Seth, I'll, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question, uh, semi-related that you can work your answer in. Uh, is it more upsetting to you that Austin is getting team of the week over Kalen Ryden or that Austin was the only member of New Mexico United that got a team of the week starting nod um, over Amando Moreno, who scored two goals. Um, and he did get on the bench there for the team of the week, but he wasn't in the starting one. All right. So I've got a couple things that I want to say about this. Um, according to the USL website, the team of the week is determined by the USL uh, national media panel, which is made up of representatives from each media market in the championship. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not been reached, reached out to. So I don't know who they're talking to in the New Mexico market uh, as far as uh, you know, who's voting on team of the week. And maybe, uh, maybe Brandon Ortega from KOB4, nothing against Brandon, but you know, it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who they're reaching out to in this area. Maybe, as far as that goes. maybe the journal, maybe, some. maybe, but they don't have anyone assigned to United anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeff Grammer is no longer do, uh, doing sports. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but no, I, I definitely take umbrage with um, Kay, uh, with Amando not being in the starting lineup there. Um, Amando has once again put together a very good, very good match against uh, Salt Lake. Uh, what's it now? Ten straight matches with a goal and or assist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been on absolute terror since since uh, since what May. March or June, whatever. Yeah, pretty June, much. Yeah. He's been an absolute terror. So, you know, I, and to put a, put up a brace against, you know, the defending champions and a match that we needed to win. You know, I, I feel like Moreno got, did get slighted there a little bit. Um, but I mean, yes, Austin, back to the Austin thing. Like Austin has been playing well. I just pulled up the stats between the two, uh, between him and Kalen to kind of compare them on the season. Um, just, just, I'm not going to go through everything, but a few brief stats here. Kalen, of course, does have one goal, does have more minutes played. Defensively, Kalen has one less tackle one, according to uslchampionship.com. He has a higher success rate as far as tackles go. He has more clearances, more blocks, more interceptions than Austin. Um, he also has more successful passes, better accuracy, better accuracy in the po- opponent's half. So, yeah, I don't know. I Actually, I, I don't know why Kalen is not getting the recognition he deserves. And, again, that's not to take anything anything away from Austin. Austin has played so well this year. I feel like he's, he's grown a lot playing beside Kalen. And I think that uh, Austin deserves the accolade. I think he does. But, yeah, I just I don't, I don't understand why Kalen's not getting any sort of attention. Yeah, it's weird. I, I think that while – while Austin has been my favorite player this year, um, especially from the people that returned, and we'll get to some players that I, I am disappointed in at the moment uh, that returned from last year's club, but um, he just he looks he looks he looks like the Austin that I saw in the first match of last year. He's getting up there to win headers. He's he's tall. He's lengthy. He's got hops. He he has pretty good timing on that. He his tackles, sliding tackles, everything like that, have been 
on point pretty much all year. Um, he did have the own goal, unfortunately, against El Paso, but that happens to the best of them. So uh, I, I just feel like he's been spectacular this year. But all that being said, he was on the team last year, and we didn't have four clean sheets in this many matches. So the difference is Kalen Ryden and his leadership and his um, just ability to be an anchor back there. And I, you brought up the stats, and and while stats tell a picture or tell a story, tell part of the picture, um, I was half expecting Austin to lead in a lot of those stats just because he's more up the pitch and does a few more things here and there. So where even when you were, when I was expecting you to say Austin was leading in certain categories, I was still going to say, yeah, but that doesn't take into effect, you know, right. in just being there and being a force back there that while he might not touch the ball, he just, he affects the way the other teams have to play us. Um, so I would expect to see riding up there on the team or on the team of the week at some point this year or next year, um, I'm really, really hoping that these guys that came in, you know, Andrew and Austin, or not Andrew and or not not Austin, but Andrew and Amando and Kalen and these rookies and David Najam and stuff. You know, I I really, really hope they have two year contracts or that we can re-sign them for another one year after this year is over because I really want to see what this club can do with a full 34 game slate. Um, and being able to play in front of 15,000 fans. And, and I want those guys to experience it since they're not going to this year, um, aside from the 1,000 people that will be in Colorado Springs next weekend. Um, so I, I really hope they can come back and we can see everything and see the, the team mesh um, mesh as good as possible or as over a longer period than just this weird 16-game schedule that we have this year. And to piggyback off of that, off of that uh, meshing, I would love to see what that back line can do with Schmitty back. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, uh, a big rock. I mean, if you look at our back line, what it should have been, I mean, we have Suggs, we have Schmidt, we have Ryden, we have Austin Yearwood. I mean, just those four right there. And that's not taken away from Rosh, from Salih, who falls back and plays back line as well. Um, it's not taking away anything from them, but the main pinnacle of what the backline should have been was Suggsy with Schmitty, Kalen Ryden, and Austin Yearwood. I mean, that was the talk during preseason. That was pretty much what Coach was ready to go with. And then Schmitty took the knock on his foot, pretty much signed out for the rest of the season. And, I mean, how many more clean sheets would we have if we had Schmitty back there? Yeah, and that's that's kind of a – so I was always in the camp last year of Tete was our best back line or our best center back. Um, Schmidt just at times looked slower and, and less capable of a lot of things, but that's not to take away the fact that he was still an outstanding player back there, especially when he was healthy. And last year, you know, he had injuries. He lost his father. Um, a lot of things go on went on that, you know, it's – I could. It was a difficult year for him, so I was really excited to see him back for a full year and healthy. And uh, his foot did take that away from us. So yeah, next year, you know, if we can keep everybody coming back, uh, it could be a very, very interesting season where you could see us all of a sudden with one of the best defenses in the league, and 
and uh, just wipe it on the floor with teams. So, so yeah, I definitely, I, that it's easy to forget about that. Cause he, I don't think he has any minutes this year. Cause if I'm not mistaken, he was out for the Austin match as well. Believe um, no. But I could be, that was a long, long time ago. So, so, you know, we never saw that back line at full strength and, and then you throw in losing Manny um, rightly or wrongly, you throw in losing him, you throw in uh, the Suggs injury earlier in the year. And, you know, this team really hasn't had a chance to mesh completely um, for a while or through many games at all. So definitely, definitely want to see what that defense can look like with everybody back and healthy um, and see if we can add to this clean sheet total that we're going to, uh, you know, if we get one more in the next four matches, which is definitely a possibility, you know, we set the record for most clean sheets in a season and we did it in 16 games. So I'll definitely see if we can build off of that next year, hopefully with a full slate of games or at least more than 16 um, and w- with a strong back line. So if, if Peter and the front office, if you listen to this, please, please bring back all of these players, if you can, because um, they look phenomenal together. They look like they're having fun. They look like a family out there. And that's what uh, United is all about. So I would love to see that happen. So to just to fact check you a little bit, Schmitty did play against Austin. He actually did get. Okay. But that's the only game he played. And he played the whole game, actually. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, he was the one that gave up the penalty that um, cost us the match. I, I remember him now. He bowled into, bowled over one of the Austin players and and gave that penalty up and and um, gave them their one goal. So, yeah, I do remember that now. He and maybe his foot was bothering him back then or for that match too. But that feels like so long ago. I was watching the Tottenham documentary that Amazon Prime put out. I'm sorry. And I got to the episode on, <laughs> it's actually pretty good. It, it, the only problem I had with it is it gave me hope. It gave me hope for this season. And then the Everton match just took all that hope and threw it on the ground and threw some dog crap on it and lit it on fire and then stomped on it. Um, but they were showing the coronavirus part where where the season was stopped because of coronavirus. And it was like, I was watching it like it was, a history lesson and it was six months ago. Like it was insane how nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody knew when it happened. And, um, so thinking about that Austin match and that feeling after that Austin match of losing and being like, that's all right, we'll get the next one. And then the next one being taken away from us and all that stuff. It, it feels like years ago when it was only six months ago. And it was, if I remember correctly, it was taken away pretty quickly. I mean, we played Saturday. I think they canceled the season Monday or Tuesday. Well, I think the NBA stopped on a Wednesday, and I think it was the day after that that we shut down. I think. Could be wrong, but I think. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a matter of days after that that it was a no-go. So I'm glad that we are able to do this podcast um, and have matches and wish there was fans and stuff, but man, it feels like a long time ago since that Austin match. It doesn't even feel like this season. Yeah, which it really shouldn't be this season, but yeah, it's it's been a long time. You know, yeah, we've we've talked about it. 
you know, a lot, you know, it's just how, how different would the season be if we had had the full 34 matches, if we had had, you know, if we, if we had not had you know, that three month break in between, you know, what, what would have happened to these guys? You know, what would the season look like? You know, what would the playoff race look like? Um, I mean, right now it's, you know, we talked last week and last couple weeks about how things thought we thought they might be getting a little bit clearer. I mean, uh, as of tonight, the Las Vegas lights are now eliminated after their loss tonight to Los Dos. The lights are officially eliminated from playoff from the playoffs. Um, there are, I think, four other teams possibly facing elimination this weekend. Uh, if my math is correct, we could see uh, Loudon, RGV, uh, Tacoma, and Colorado all possibly eliminated by the end of this weekend uh, from playoff contention. Yeah, we can actually see Salt Lake eliminated this weekend as well. Uh, yes, that is, that is a possibility as well. Well, actually, no, they, they, they can't. Well, no, you're right, because uh, El Paso's got two matches this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Salt Lake could be done by the end of the weekend as well. It, so, uh, you know, COVID and the break and everything, it, it drastically changed the way that this season was going to play out. I mean, who would have expected San Antonio to be the last undefeated team? Who would have expected... Uh, Phoenix Rising to struggle at times against Las Vegas. Uh, the play of Reno 1868. Yes, they have our buddy Ben over there who has been playing absolutely phenomenal. But the way that the season could have gone and the way that it has gone, it's just it's just unreal. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. It, it's, it, it would be fun to speculate. Um, in, in fact, if, if I can find the original schedule somewhere, uh, it'd be fun to go down and and try to figure out what we would have done in those matches, knowing what we know at the moment. But um, I'm just happy that we have soccer and that we have uh, a match to talk about today and a match that uh, we can celebrate today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, like Seth said, uh, if you were living under a rock uh, over the weekend, um, we beat the Real Monarchs zero to two. Um Again, this weekend, uh, again, we didn't get over that two-goal hump, but I was also wrong. I predicted a 2-2 draw um, on last week's show, and I this is the happiest I've ever been to be wrong. So you guys both called, I think, I don't know if you called shutouts, but you called a 2-1 and 2-1 or 3-1 uh, between the two of you. So it, it basically played out how, how you guys thought. and. Um, you know, we get two goals by Amando Moreno. Uh, one of them, the work was done by Weehan, uh, but he just couldn't quite get enough pace on it to get it past the keeper and into the goal. But that's okay. Um, Amando Moreno was there to slide in and, and finish it off and get a cheap goal, but a cheap goal is still a goal nonetheless. And then uh, a controversial, quote-unquote, uh, call on his second goal where uh, several people said that he was or called for him to be offside, but um, several people have also posted pictures of when the ball was touched and it does look like he was onside for that one. Uh, but he got in behind the defense, um, juked the keep like, Oh, that keeper. I felt so bad. It was Ochoa. I felt bad. So bad for Ochoa uh, for about, for well, let me for about like 0.2 seconds. I was just like, Oh man, that hurts. And then he buried it in the back of the net. Um, and, and looked phenomenal. Um, so we so we talked about the team of the week honors with Amando not being on there, Yearwood being on there, and um, not instead because they play two different positions. But 
you know, we got some accolades there and, and everything like that. Uh, what do you guys, we'll start with you, Earl. What was your biggest takeaway from the match? So I actually have three, ta- or now two because you answered one of them. So my two takeaways of the match, one's a bold one, is Mondo's incredible. Mondo's yeah. incredible. Very bold. Um, and Hot take. Quite possibly could be MVP of, of the team this year. I mean, he's leading the team in goals, um, tied with Buihan, but, I mean, if you look at it, he's leading the team right now. Um, my other takeaway, and we kind of talked about this off-air, was uh, going back to being a kid was, where on earth is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> where in Salt Lake? I'm glad. Was- I, 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 Good. I, I, I think I know where you're coming with this, and I'm glad you're bringing it up so the hate can go towards you and not me. So go ahead. That's fine. Okay, uh, so where in Salt Lake City was Devin Sandoval? It's it's a great point, man. I We had such a good game, and after the game, I was like, man, that was fantastic. You know, Moreno looked fantastic. Uh, Weehan looked good. The back line looked good. And then I was sitting there going, did Devin do anything? And Seth did come in there with, he did have a hockey assist on Moreno's second goal which uh, I love the hockey assist, so I have to give credit for that. But for the most part, man, he just, he was non-existent. And, and with the way they were playing with that high line, I couldn't help but think if Romeo was in there, he would have at least had a ton of chances to finish something off. Uh, so I was a little disappointed that we didn't see Romeo get in the match a little bit earlier there. Seth, what was your biggest takeaway? To top off the Devin Sandoval discussion there, he had one shot, was not on target, one offside, one chance created. And he touched the ball basically under less than three dozen times. Um, Now, I will say that Devin isn't always going to be necessarily super involved. He is a a very good hold-up player and does help, uh, help us get numbers forward, allows us the opportunities to do that. Um... But yeah, no, he he absolutely he he was not as big of a part of the of the run of play as I thought he would be. But you know, it's you know we talked we talked about it all the time. You know, just because Bees isn't scoring doesn't mean he's not being productive on the pitch. Doesn't mean right. he's, he's not doing stuff. And I, and I think the same could be said for Devin to an extent. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more out of him on Saturday, but you can't really complain like he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't give the ball over in, in bad areas. So, um, so it, it's not necessarily a bad performance by him. So, and I, and I understand the holdup play that he provides and stuff like that. And, and normally I see that and acknowledge it and, and am still somewhat impressed by it. But at the same time, I didn't, I've, I could be wrong. I could be misremembering. I haven't rewatched the match since it was live. So, so that could be part of it, but I just don't remember him even doing that. And that's where I was like, man, is he, but, and also he's coming off a back injury, a lower back injury at that. Um, as somebody that struggles with lower back problems, sometimes, you know, it, it takes a while to get back to a hundred percent and, and to where you feel confident in your movements. So, so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there, but it's still, it, to me, it was a perfect game for Romeo to just, make runs and just destroy their back line even more than what we already did. Um, so I would have liked to see him either start the match or come into the match a little bit earlier, but it is what it is. 
But to uh, stop you there on the whole Devin and not being confident thing, um, he's the one, his words exactly was he was 100% ready to go and he was looking for 90 minutes. I mean, I'm kind of going to a Stephen A moment right now, harping on LeBron James, but I mean, if you're ready to go, wouldn't you have some kind of explosive game? I mean, well, well, being saying that you're ready to go and you're a hundred percent and you're looking for 90 minutes and then going out there and feeling game contact and feeling game speeds and getting shoved in the back over and over again, as he always does because of his size, um, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a hundred percent confident in his movements and his back. So, I mean, players, players want to play, players are going to say, uh, whatever it takes to get out on the pitch or the field in other sports or the court in other sports, whatever the case may be. So, so I'm going to take what he says with a little bit of a grain of salt and, and still, still give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt there saying that, you know, he, he might feel a hundred percent when he's not in the match and when he's not going a hundred percent fast and hard. But when you get out there in that situation, it might be a little bit different. So, we'll see i'm i'm hoping that we see um we see i hope we see him in the colorado springs match i feel like he does better for us in in that matchup than he would have against Col- or against uh, real monarchs so i hope he's there i hope he's right but seth i'm going to go back to you there uh another another takeaway you got there of of from that match yeah, I think probably my biggest takeaway from the match is that our midfield is really, really good. We've talked about it, and I just really kind of, kind of want to focus on them for, for a minute here. Andrew Tenari and Juan Pablo Guzman have been some of the best midfielders I've seen play this season. Andrew Tenari is an absolute bulldog. Juan Pablo Guzman, we, we, talked, we knew from last year that he was very good in possession, very good at creating chances, and very good at moving the ball forward. He sees passes and gets the ball to where it needs to go. Adding Andrew Tenari in there has just solidified the defensive presence that we have in that midfield. Like, And I, I completely get why he's starting week in and week out over Ryan, over Salih, over, over Sam, because of the tenacity, the ability that, that Tenari has to make plays. Now, he did pick up another yellow card. It was early, and that was a little bit of a concern, but he was able to play around it for the rest of the match. He didn't, I didn't really see him like get in trouble with the referee again for the remainder of it. So I felt like after that foul, he recovered and he plays, he plays very smart football. And that's probably the biggest thing that I can say is that our, our midfield plays smart. You know, Juan Pablo, of course, picked up another yellow like in stoppage time, but that, you know, that's neither here nor there. These are, they play smart football. They control the ball they limit the opportunities that, that opponents are seeing in the midfield. Uh, Kyle Coffey is a guy that we talked about, uh, I've talked about at least in my, in my previews, as being someone to watch. Uh, he is someone that is capable of scoring, uh, but he didn't do much of anything. Ryan Sierkowski was a name that we heard called a lot in the first two matches. He looked dangerous throughout those two, and th- we basically shut him down the entire second half of this match. I, I can think of his name being called maybe once or twice. Uh, I think one of those was like, was a free kick, but we were, which we cleared out of there. So for, for them to come in and 
take on a, a veteran like Sierkowski and just completely nullify the effect that he had on this game, that shows you know, a lot of growth, a lot of footballing smarts, and a lot of ability on the pitch, not only from both of these guys, but just from the, the I think Troy has given them both this huge feeling of confidence from the way that they've been playing. So, so I believe um, both Andrew and Guzman are sitting on four yellow cards um, and that if they get one more, they are suspended for a match. So question to you, Earl, would it be better to try to get them to not have a yellow card the rest of the season? Or do you play them against Colorado Springs and say, Hey, go get a yellow card in the second half. So you'll be suspended for the RGV game. Cause we don't need you for the RGV game. Well, I mean, we're not trying to tank intentionally. And what I, I would <laughs> never, ever condone intentionally picking up a yellow. But if that's what it takes to be ready for the rest of the season, which would be El Paso and the Monarchs again, so be it. I mean, if you could pick up a yellow, even in the first half of Colorado Springs, I mean, <laughs> get it out of the way. That way you could play the whole game RGV. But if it does take the entire second half for, you, for Andrew to pick up a yellow, which I'm huge on Andrew, and I think he is the MVP of the midfield right now, which I said last week as well, and I'll stick to it this week again. Um, if it does take the entire second half for him to pick up his second yellow in Colorado Springs, well, then cool. At least we're playing a lesser team, such as RGV, in order to get that fifth out of the way. Um, Juan Pablo picking up a yellow. I mean, we have replacements for him. He's not the bulldog as stated, that would be Andrew Tenari. But he's also a vital part to that midfield. So either of those picking up a yellow, preferably not both of them picking up the yellow, would be nice. But if they were to pick one up, say Andrew picks one up next week, then Juan Pablo picks one up in Rio Grande and RGV, I mean, at least we'll have them both back by the end of the season. Have them ready to go for a playoff. Yeah, I think they reset after the regular season is over. So um, I, I would, I want them there for the El Paso match. Uh, so whatever that takes, if that's getting, if it's them getting a yellow card in Colorado Springs and not playing an RGV, or if they can get through Colorado Springs without one, if they just sit them during RGV and don't play them anyways. Uh, so that they can't pick up that fifth one. Right. Um, I definitely want them in there for El Paso. Yeah. I mean, so I guess that brings up another question kind of away from the midfield is we all saw Cody take that pretty pretty nasty-looking knock where I think Vasquez slid right into Cody, both going for the ball. I mean, it wasn't. I wouldn't call it a dirty play. I wouldn't call it. No, trying to hurt Cody by no means would I call it that. But after getting that scare, I mean, I'm not the coach, so I don't, I don't make that kind of decision, obviously. But what's your take on pulling Cody at that point and putting in Phillip or even sitting Cody this week and putting in Phillip to get some kind of at least confidence minutes? 
if there's a time to play Philip, it's this week and next week. Um, I don't know how serious Cody's knock is. We haven't heard anything from the club. We probably won't hear anything from the club until probably Saturday before the match. As far as whether, yeah, if we hear anything at all, it'll likely be, you know, the injury report that comes out on Saturday and then Cody, it just isn't in the lineup. And for all I know, we'll see Zach Prince suit up again as the backup keeper. Or uh, we just, you know, could, or we just put Cody on the bench for for the match. I don't know. But yeah, if there's a time, it's this weekend against Colorado or next weekend against RGV. Get, like you said, get Philip those, uh, get him those minutes. I feel like he he's a more than capable keeper. He, he The one time we've seen him, which was in the, the intra-squad match, he did well. He played well. Um, didn't give up a goal during that. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Uh, you know, Ben's getting minutes out in Reno, which is great. Uh, I think Phillip's going to be good. Uh, the, you know, Andy and Adam talked about it during the match on Saturday. You know, was this the time to bring him in? You know, should we be getting him match minutes here at some point? And they both felt that this past weekend probably wasn't the time to do it. But I feel like yeah, these next two matches here, uh, if there is a need to get Cody some rest to get him healthy, that this is the time to do it because you don't want to go into El Paso in here and, you know, a week and a half, basically, uh, with our number two keeper. You know, we want Cody ready to go at that point. I think if we come away, if we, so ideally we're going to clinch playoffs this weekend. We win again against RGV. Let's say we beat El Paso. That gives us a chance against Real again to possibly see Phillip in that match. Um, because if we beat El Paso, basically there's no way that they can pass us in the standings. So, uh, yeah, I, I think those are our three opportunities to to see it. Unless something happens with uh, with El Paso between now and then to to widen that gap between us and them, I think those, like I said, those are our three opportunities. Yeah, I agree. There, they, I, I feel like he probably should have came in this weekend um, when he got that knock, just because it looked looked uncomfortable for him. But um, I definitely want to see him. I want to see Philip in one of these next two or three matches. Um, I, I think we, I haven't seen him play um, really at all. So I, I can't speak to it fully, but I feel like he's a pretty good keeper. I feel like we wouldn't have let Ben go on loan to a, another Western conference club if we didn't think he was a good keeper. So, um, so I feel confident with him in the back of the net um him and net uh, i mean uh against anybody so even if it's el paso so be it but i definitely want to see him get some run here just in case you know because you never know with with injuries they can happen whenever so i would hate to see cody go down in like the el paso match or the salt lake match and philip having not played at all going into the playoffs with a new keeper uh coming in cold and having not played in a usl regular season match. So I uh, definitely need to see him in there. Um, one of the next four matches at some point in time. And, and you mentioned um, us clinching. We can actually clinch tomorrow night. Um, Real Monarchs play uh, Portland. So in reality, we can't clinch. But yeah. We're not going to clinch tomorrow night. You never know, man. Portland won a game. Finally um, Real Monarchs, basically their season is almost over. So you never know. We never know. You never say never. So we can technically clinch even before Colorado Springs 
Now, it depends on what the team wants as far as winning the group or just making the playoffs, how coach decides to play the rest of these four matches once we clinch. Um, but I, to me, it's not even a matter of, oh, we clinched, so we're going to play in Phillip. To me, it's a matter of, hey, we need to get Phillip some run here just in case something happens to Cody and we can see what, what goes on here. So so tomorrow night, um, we do not play, but there are two matches um, going that could greatly affect us. And one, like I said, is that um, Portland Real Monarchs match that is in Utah uh, that could be a big deal. Plus, Real Monarchs have played... I don't have their schedule up in front of me, but I'm relatively sure this is their... They played Saturday, played Wednesday, they played Saturday, and now they're playing Wednesday again. Um, so it's a it's a tough stretch for them. Granted, the most uh, most if not all of those matches were at home, but we showed that they are pretty vulnerable at home, and they haven't had the best of season. So, so that's a match just to keep your eye on tomorrow night. I believe it's at eight o'clock Mountain Time, and then El Paso actually plays Colorado Springs, um, which is kind of a big deal because El Paso after that match will have the same number of matches played as us. And that will kind of determine who has the upper hand going into the final four matches. Uh, because if they win, we will both be sitting on 12 matches played and they will be a point ahead of us in the standings. So I believe that one is at seven. So keep an eye out for both of those next week or tomorrow. I mean, um, and then of course we've got Colorado Springs this weekend coming up. Um, for a quote-unquote home match, even though it is in Colorado Springs. So what are you guys feeling about that game? Is that going to be a another 2-0 win? Or do you have expectations from from who's going to play well? Are we going to see Phillip in there? What do you guys think? Start with, uh, we'll start with Seth this time. All right, so Colorado Springs home match for New Mexico United. Uh, we still don't know how many tickets are still available. It sounds like there are still at least some based on the club's tweets today, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see number one, how many folks go up, how much of a home match atmosphere does it actually feel like uh, for these guys? Even if we get, you know, the full thousand folks there, you know, I, I know the club, the players are going to appreciate whoever shows up. They're going to appreciate the noise, appreciate the support no matter what. Uh, and I think it will help our guys, you know, kind of feel like, that I feel like they are still connected to the to the supporters here in town because you know finally you know not being able to play in, play in front of anyone since March and it's got to be tough. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's going to be a driving factor in the way the match plays out on Saturday. I feel like we're going to go in there. Um, Colorado did finally take a point off of us for the first time in their history, well, in the history of the series between them um, uh, a few weeks ago, but admittedly we know that that was not a well-played match by United. Uh, Ryan Williams got sent off. Tanari had an early yellow. That was just a tough match all around. I think what's going to happen on Saturday is that uh, I think we do see Phillip. Um, I think he does get a, a chance to run out. You know, you see Cody you know, maybe as like a precautionary thing. Cody sits, sits this week and next week. Um, and again, get Phillip some run, get him some match confidence. Uh, like you said, just in case something were to happen to Cody. Uh, outside of that, I don't think we see too much of a difference in our in our typical lineup. I I do think we see uh, Romeo start over over Devin. 
Um, and I think maybe Brucey out on the right. I could be wrong there, but I, I, I would like to see Brucey get in there, get some minutes, uh, especially, you know, we're going to see some rotation here the next few weeks uh, as we head into the playoffs, making sure guys are still match fit and ready to go. Um, and I don't see this match going anywhere near what the last one did in Colorado. I honestly see you know, 3-0 United. Uh, Colorado is probably going to play some young guys. Uh, they are limited. They have really nothing to play for. At this point, they're just going to, I think they're just going to try to get some guys uh, some experience, uh, put out some, some of their younger guys and see what they can do. Just to kind of, you know, just kind of evaluate them a little bit. So yeah, 3-0 United. Um, that's where I'm at with Saturday's match. I'm on the same boat as you, I guess, um, which I did write it down this morning, actually, earlier today. I do see a 3-0 win. Um, I don't see Phillips starting. I do see Cody getting the start in front of the home crowd, quote-unquote home crowd, um, just because he's kind of the fan favorite. Um, I see Cody getting the start until about half, maybe 70th minute or so. The home crowd gets to see Philip do some work. Um, I do see Dev starting still because, I mean, it's Devin freaking Sandoval and Mr. New Mexico, Mr. 505. Um, I do see Devin starting. Um, I see him scoring, actually. And I also see Mondo notching a brace. Um, I do know from some insider source that there will be a huge home feel to say. I know the curse is getting there early. They're setting up a bunch of TFOs around the stadium. Um, they're pretty much doing what they would do here in the lab out there at Widener Field, which kudos to them for showing up early and doing that. Um, I know there's some other stuff being planned during the seventh minute for the whole racism thing. Um, I know there's a whole bunch of things going on that pretty much is taking the curse there, um, which I look forward to seeing that. Um, I've never seen the curse on TV. I mean, I've always been part of the crazies. Um, everywhere they went, I've been part of that craziness. So it'd be interesting to see it on TV, that's for sure, especially now with no with that being crowd is the curse pretty much um it'll be interesting but i do see a three nil win with devin mondo devin mondo taking uh taking them home yeah i think it's gonna be a a a pretty big pretty big win pretty easy win for us um if we can get energy off of the crowd there um part of me wanted to come in here and say, well, it's going to be a home game, so we're going to get the lead and we're going to give it up and we're going to end up drawing. But um, there's a different club. It's not last year's club that did that so many times. So I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, and I think that that with that home crowd there, and I do think uh, it is going to be a loud and rowdy crowd, just like it was here, even if there's not that many people there. I looked at the website, the ticket website. Um, it looks like there's maybe a hundred or a uh, hundred or 200 left. Uh, I didn't count them, but there was, there was a few, not a whole, whole lot, but a few. Um, so it does look like it's going to be pretty full. And, and I think that, you know, with that spurring them on, um, no pun intended there. Uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, 
a good good showing for the guys there. I I would tend to lean towards our starters, our, our normal starters starting still. Um, but I think if we can get a couple goals early um, in the first half, maybe maybe it's two 0 going into halftime. Maybe in the you know halftime you see a couple changes, and then in the sixtieth you see the rest of the changes, and you basically see all five all five changes made pretty early in the match. Um, so, so I'm actually, I'm going to, I had to differ from you guys last week in predicting the draw. I'm going to differ from you a little bit this week and I'm going to say four nil, uh, instead of three nil. I think this is the match where the offense breaks it wide open and we see goals upon goals upon goals. So, um, we'll, so we'll say four nil. And I think, uh, you get a goal and you get a goal and you get a goal and everybody gets a goal. So we'll say Devin, Wees, Bees, Devin, Bees, Amando, and uh throw in a defender there. Say Austin gets one um on a set piece there. Um real quick looking back at the Salt Lake game. Uh the set pieces still scare the crap out of me. Um I don't know if it's just me, if I'm just jaded from last year um, and, and seeing too many goals come in off the set piece, but the defense on the set piece just doesn't look quite crisp enough. And so I think against Colorado Springs, if they do score, that's where it's going to come from. I don't think it'll come in the open run of play. So, But I'm going to go 4-0 New Mexico, and, and it's going to be – a celebration over there at home at Widener Field. Yeah, Real did have a, a scary moment in this in the match last weekend, where uh, it was that one set piece that basically went through everybody in the box, and Real finally got a touch on it. And the problem with that is that at the time United was using zonal marking; they weren't man marking anybody, so it allowed the the Salt Lake player to get in behind or find just a little bit open space to where he could get ahead on the ball. Now, in a, in a man-marking scheme, it's exactly what it is. It's like man-defense in football or you know man-defense uh, man, man in, in basketball. You've got one guy, you're responsible for that guy and his movements. As long if we if we're going to continue to play zonal marking, which we do most of the time, as long as we're aware of the assignments and where the opposing players are, we can make the play on the ball. But when we lose track of somebody like we did on Saturday, that's where we run into issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was Moberg. Um, it, he, he didn't get his head onto it. It kind of fell to him right there in the six-yard box. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, they had a couple that were a little leery. But he he put a touch on it, and it went three inches wide, maybe even two inches wide. Otherwise, it was going to be 1-1 at that time. And um, that was definitely that was the, that was the play in mind that I had in my mind of, man, set pieces scare the crap out of me still. So... So that is definitely where we need to work on and where I kind of worry about. And you have two ways to defend that. You can either get better at defending it in the moment or you don't give them up as much. Um, Both of those are way easier said than done. But um, it's something that needs to, we need to find some kind of solution there because teams like Phoenix, even El Paso, um, San Antonio, you know, they are, very good set piece teams that can pick us apart in that uh, come playoff time and, and then come in our El Paso match later this year to basically determine the winner of this group. So, so that's something I'm going to look at in this Colorado match and, and see if we a give up more set pieces or B 
uh, can defend them a little bit better. So, you know, and, and it's it's going to be jam packed from here on out, guys. Our last match is the thirtieth, and today is the fifteenth. So, we got four matches in the next fifteen days uh, that are going to go a long way to determining you know where we finish and and who we end up playing in the playoffs. So, it's definitely going to be a fun run here. But really, that that can't be an excuse either. I mean, um, I have just El Paso and New Mexico United's uh, schedule remaining schedule written down right here in front of me, and so. El Paso is playing tomorrow night and Saturday, then they're off for a week, and then they play Wednesday. Um, New Mexico United, they play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. I mean, there's not really much Mm -hmm. difference other than that week rest for El Paso, but they played Saturday. They played today. They'll play Saturday again. I mean... Yeah, no, I I wasn't saying it's an excuse. I was just saying it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of action for us as consumers Mm -hmm to watch um, and pay attention to the rest of this, this month, because, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like it, but the season, the end of the season is almost upon us and, you know, and almost assuredly we're going to make the playoffs. So we're going to have another match after that. Uh, So I'm excited for that. I'm also excited that, you know, we were talking about your last game of the season as it pertains to the playoffs. You know, our last match right now is the 30th of, of this month and the first match of, of the playoffs wouldn't be till at, at the earliest, the eighth. So, so we're going to have some time off there to recuperate and recover after this right. stretch and, and, you know, plan for whoever we are happen to be playing, whether it's San Antonio or Austin or Tulsa, whoever happens to make it and wherever we fall on the picking order of this group. So there's a lot going to be decided in the next four days, plus the rest of this season. So, um, this is the time that we live for, you know, this is, this is the, the fourth quarter, so to speak. Um, and, and we got to, the team has to push and dig deep and, and get those wins as much as we can. You know, we still don't know where the RGV El Paso and Salt Lake matches are going to be. So we're, we're going to have to dig deep. We're going to have to figure out uh, how this is going to go and, and at this point, I'm kind of rooting for all of them to be on the road just so we can be like, hey, we won Group D or Group C on the road every freaking match. We outplayed El Paso. We get to the playoffs. We can play our playoff games on the road, hopefully make a deep run. And I don't care what anybody else says. You have to look at that and be freaking impressed with the fact that every all 16 matches on the road for a whole entire season uh, while making the playoffs and making a deep run in the playoffs. And I think we have the talent to do that and the ability to do that. So I'm super excited guys. Um, Earl final thoughts. My final thoughts pretty much echoes what you just said. I'm super excited. Um, Not only for United and their high playoff hopes, but just as a fan, I mean, that's what we're based off was for fans, by fans. So, yeah, we're all fans here. So when you're actually looking at ESPN Plus, I mean, you're looking at maybe three or four games every Wednesday, every Saturday. So there's a lot of games to watch. So if you're ever bored and you can't make the trip up to Colorado, I mean, you have games to watch starting at noon, starting at 8 o'clock at night. I mean, if you want to stay up late on Wednesday, I personally don't recommend it, but I'm also an old guy. <laughs> um 
there's always going to be something to watch and just keep an eye out for. So, yeah, so my final take is I'm super excited. I can't wait. Um, the next 15 days or so will be a lot to take in. Agreed. Agreed. Seth? 15 days, four more matches. You know, we need three points to to secure a playoff spot. I'm about 99% certain it's going to happen either this week or next week. If it if it doesn't happen until next week, I'll be really surprised. I think it happens tomorrow still. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, however, however unlikely it is possible. Uh, so uh, we'll be watching tomorrow night, uh, cheering for the Timbers, which is kind of weird. But uh, we'll, we'll watch that with, 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 uh, with rapt interest and... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a busy two weeks, you know, both from a fan standpoint and from us as a as a content creator standpoint. We're going to have lots of writing that we're going to have to do. Uh, we're going to have we're going to keep having the pod. We're going to keep coming out. We're going to keep track of everything. Like I'm excited for the way that the season could potentially end. I think United has probably the best shot of anybody not named uh, Reno, Phoenix, or San Antonio to win this thing. So. Uh, yeah, just uh, just keep watching, keep cheering on the, on the club. And uh, I did have one quick question. I don't think we have a time on Saturday's match yet. I haven't seen anything. Uh, it's a new, noon. At noon? Okay, noon kickoff. Know that. Okay. It's super early so that fans can get out there, watch the match, and make it home. Obviously, practice social distancing. Um, also, for the fans that don't know that are going to uh, – this is just kind of a disclaimer – uh, the fans that are headed to Colorado Springs, this is from the Cursed, and uh, the Cursed president, David Carl, was on one of my favorite daily shows from on Facebook called Cafecito con Colon, um, held by State Auditor Brian Colon. Um, that's a shameless plug, and I hope he listens to this so that he can get the, get the credit for it. Um, for the fans traveling out to Colorado and coming back, they're... Ticket will also get them a free COVID test at one of the one of the labs out here in Albuquerque. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, I will be sure to put it on the Facebook page before the end before Saturday night for sure. That way, the fans coming back can see that. Um, but just a disclaimer that there will be a free COVID test waiting for you. Um, they're issuing a thousand of them for just the fans going out there. Um, that's just a disclaimer. I'll have to take you at your word there, Earl, because I, in my quick research there, I can't find a time on it anywhere. So, um, hopefully, I mean, I like noon matches, man. I, I can, I can get up, I can watch Premier League till noon. I can watch our match from noon to two. And then I have the afternoon and evening to go do whatever I want to do with my family. So if it's at noon, it's not going to hurt my feelings whatsoever. My wife might get upset because if it's at noon and we lose, I might be in a bad mood, but I don't think she has anything to worry about with this match here. So, so that's definitely, you know, as soon as United posts it, we'll go ahead and share it on our, our Facebook page and make it official. But, um, other than that, uh, Earl hot take Earl over here says it's going to be at noon, uh, on Saturday. So with that guys, I think we're basically done. Um, as long as nobody else has anything to add, you know, I'm, I'm Jacob been doing this all season. We'll be here again. Uh, going to have to talk to Seth and Earl about doing twice a week, uh, for the rest of the season, since we got Saturday, Wednesday matches. Um, but we'll, 
we'll figure that out uh, and let you guys know. You can catch us on Facebook. Earl, like he mentioned, he runs the Facebook page, Somos Unos News. Um, I'll post stuff on there occasionally as well. Uh, you can catch Seth on Twitter, um, his personal Twitter or the Suncast Twitter. Um, we also have Somos Unos News on Twitter. And um, you can email me or Seth at jacob at dadventuresmedia.com or seth at dadventuresmedia.com. And then if you want to get a hold of Earl, just um, Facebook message the the page there and he's the one that takes care of that so also, with that being or said send Earl a carrier that too <laughs> before we leave yeah. um i did do a lot of research on this on the interweb um so per the colorado springs website and where they're selling the tickets um gates open at 2 30 kickoff is at 3 30 okay all right so so now we're saying 3.30, but like I said, once we once we get official word from the club and USL and they put it on their website and stuff, we will uh, uh, get that shared for you guys so everybody's on the same page. So again, I'm Jacob for Seth and Earl. We thank you for listening. Come back next week and Somos News. are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast. On, the, on a completely unrelated subject, guys, I have been down a YouTube rabbit hole for the past week and a half about bees. Bees. And becoming a beekeeper. Okay. And it is freaking fascinating. I'm telling you, it is insane. And then there just so happens to be a guy that goes to our church that has like 30 hives in Fort Sumner. So hopefully this weekend, if not this weekend, next weekend, I am going to be donning a bee suit and going to beehives and potentially <clears throat> becoming this guy's helper. And it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited about it. I, I love it. That that is super interesting. <laughs> like it, I, I there's just like so much to it, and like I didn't realize that if you're a male bee, basically all you do is eat. Not even eat. You get fed. They bring you the food. You just eat it when they bring it to you, and then you have sex with the queen and reproduce, and that's literally all you do. They don't even have stingers. They can't even protect the hive. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy. And then the worker bees. How, how do I sign up to be a bee? Right. <laughs> and then the worker bees live forty-five days, and then they die. It's insane. It's insane. It, it, it's been completely and utterly fascinating, and I can't wait to actually mess with bees. That. That's really interesting. Um, it's such an interesting story. I had to sit this live on Twitch. I had to get that up there. I know. I saw that. I'm watching Twitch right now, and then it was nothing. And then all of a sudden, halfway through my B conversation, it pops up. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, if you are just now tuning in, 
Uh, you caught the tail end of Jacob's story of how he was now becoming going to become a, a beekeeper. Welcome so. to the bee cast. I'm your host, <laughs> Jacob Terrell. <laughs> Brand new show brought to you by uh, by Dad Ventures <laughs> and uh, and uh, Sue Bee Honey. 